It's going to get there. He turned 32 yesterday. Does he have a vintage moment in him? In the end zone, it is caught for the win. Richard Rodgers with a walk-off touchdown. Foster. Nine seconds for the win. Oh! 
And while I'm eating, I'll sit here on the couch <laughs> and I'll watch with my roommates what's going on. And I, I did want to see what happened with the Giants in the fifth and seventh pick. So then it just turned into one through seven. And that's all I watched. Okay. I didn't watch a single second besides that. Okay. Well, now so I can talk about fair. the Giants. That's fair. Sure. You want to start or, or me? Yeah, so, I mean, I don't Go have ahead. much to say. So General I reactions. Well, I might as well just say it, and then sure. I'm, I'm sure you're going to have more to say than I do. The Giants got Kayvon Thibodeau, who I like to call KT, like Kenny Tomkovich. Oh, We have a little course, bit of common there. Of course. And then we got Evan Neal. So we got our pass rusher, and we got our big offensive tackle for Alabama. So I like it. We're going to see how, how they do. Only time will tell, but I like getting back to the stopping the run, getting after the quarterback, and running the football. That's the kind of Giants that won championships. If you look in the past, when we did win championships, we had a really, really strong defensive line. Justin Tuck, uh, Michael Strahan, OCU Miura, Jason Pierre-Paul in the in the second championship of my lifetime. Lawrence Taylor. Well, yes, yes, but I'm talking more about the last two championships. So of course, Lawrence Taylor. But those those four guys that just named were like the defensive pass rushers of uh, of my generation for the Giants. So getting back to that. Uh, I know, I forget the guy's name, but we have the guy from Georgia, I think he's from Georgia, that we drafted last year, who's a younger pass rusher, and now we have Kayvon Thibodeau, and then, you know, I've really been critical of the offensive line for a long time for the New York Giants, and I've really said that I wonder what would happen if DJ did have time, and I wonder what would happen if Saquon did have better blocking, mm-hmm. and now it looks like we're going to maybe find out, because Andrew Thomas had... Most people believe to have do have had a good year last year, and now we have Evan Neal, who you know comes from a great program in Alabama. So we're gonna see what happens, and that's really all I have to say. Well, I have a question for you about okay. each, about each of the picks, actually. Oh, really? With Thibodeau, is that who you wanted in that spot? I didn't even know. Okay. I don't. I don't know anybody. But you're excited about it. Sure. You know, okay. I was listening to his press conference. He seems like a. Like a nice, confident guy. He seems like he's he's ready to get to work. He seems like an interesting guy. You know, like he's definitely going to have some things to say to the media. And he definitely has a, a New York personality. And, uh, I mean, he looks like a football player. Yeah. He's, a, he's a big guy. He looks like, you know, you could go ahead and watch highlights. But highlights are exactly what they are. They're highlights. They're the best plays that he's had in, you know, however long he's been playing. For Oregon, so I've never seen a full game of Kayvon Thibodeau playing. I've seen full games of Evan Neal playing, but I can't say when I was watching those Alabama games, I was like directly keyed in on Evan Neal the entire game. So only time's going to tell what these guys are going to do in the NFL. You never know. Hopefully, they're going to be great. Well, I got one other question for you. Okay, I don't know if you'll know the answer, but when I was watching. And it got to the Giants at seven. Yeah, it showed a bunch of Giants fans, and they had like, uh, like headbands or something that said Neil on them that they're all wearing, like pointing to and excited about. And I'm like, how do you know? Like, why do all these fans have these things that say Evan Neil 
and they haven't even drafted him yet. Like, did they just know that they're that's somebody who they to wanted? With him? Like, I guess that's who they wanted. It was just I've never seen a fan base already have like gear of a certain player that they're gonna pick at the seventh spot. Like that was that was crazy to me. Well, maybe they thought they were gonna get him at five. Maybe I don't know, but they I don't know. committed to him. That was that was just weird. I've never seen that before. So that was I don't have any weird. Evan Neal gear yet. Okay, not yet. Nor will I ever <laughs> get any. But we'll see. All right. Um, I watched a lot more of it. I have just a couple of takeaways. Um, first oh, of all, well, did you like the Giants draft? Yeah, I did. Okay. I thought they had a good draft. Um, I, I really liked those two picks. Um, and I thought I thought Thibodeau was gonna go four to the Jets. And so when he didn't, I felt pretty confident. They got Sauce. They got Sauce, who's uh, Sauce Gardner. Very good uh, defensive back. But, no, yeah, I thought the Giants had a good draft. Um, Overall thoughts, though, Jaguars are number one. What I thought the Jags should do was draft an offensive lineman. Because I thought that's where they need the most help. They're going to protect their franchise quarterback. And if they were going to do that, then it makes sense that Aiden Hutchinson would be the number one overall pick. He wasn't picked. Yet they picked somebody else that's in the same position as him, which was Trayvon Walker, which I was pretty confused about because it seemed like Aiden Hutchinson was clearly the best edge rusher in the draft. So if you're going to draft one first overall, I would think it'd be him. If you're not going to do an offensive lineman, which is what your biggest need is. But they didn't do it. And he follows his number two to the Lions, which, I, I again, that's what I predicted to happen because I thought they were going to take an offensive lineman first. But either way, Hutchinson goes to the Lions. He stays in Michigan. But I just thought that was kind of a weird situation. So time will tell if Trayvon Walker is a better player than Aiden Hutchinson. Um, I also said last week on the show that I thought Malik Willis would go sixth overall to the Panthers. At the very least, I thought he'd be a first rounder. He dropped all the way to the third round to the Titans. So I don't know what the scouts saw, but clearly none of these teams really were that high on him that he, he fell all the way to round three, which is... Crazy, and he fell to a Titans team that already has a pretty established quarterback in Tannehill. I mean, he maybe he'll compete for the job, but I was I was very shocked by that. Um, and then with my team, the Packers, night one I was pretty disappointed because there's like those top, five top receivers, and I thought the Packers, I, I had a pretty good feeling that the, those guys weren't just going to drop to 22 where the Packers were, and none of them did. And the Packers didn't move up, didn't trade up to get any of those guys, and they drafted two defenders, which are very good players from Georgia. But I was very, I was honestly disappointed because I was like, we're not going to take one of these top receivers. Like this is clearly what the need is. But night two comes around, they move up, they trade up to get the second pick in the second round. They take Christian Watson out of North Coast State, who's he wasn't one of those top five guys, but, but he That's was a really good team. He was right there. I mean, he North was right Dakota there. State. Yeah, they're the national champion like every year in the FCS, um, and he was—I mean—he was considered just right outside of that top five of receivers. So happy they got him. They got two other receivers, and they got a lot of defenders. So overall, happy about the Packers. Um, and then last thought: Chiefs and Ravens. I think had really good drafts, which is scary because those are already two of the best teams in the AFC. So I think the Ravens got a couple steals. Um, they, they got a uh, Nicobe Dean or no, sorry. They got uh, David Ajabo in the second round, like mid second round. He was going to be like a top 10 guy before he tore his or Achilles. So those two teams had really good drafts, which is scary because they're already really good. That's my who did, thoughts. Who, who did the chiefs get? They got Karloftis Who's in the first round. He's an edge rusher from Purdue that a lot of people really liked. Um, and they got him pretty late in the first round, which was 
uh, good for them. And then they got, uh, I think they got a really good receiver too. I, I, I'm now blanking on the top of my head, but I just remember they, they both had really good drafts. So Ravens are kind of reloading that defense, which when they won their championships, it was, it was the defense. So clearly they're going back to that. So See, I wonder uh, if the Titans are rebuilding. Because Maybe. Julio's, and I know Julio didn't have a good season last year. I get it, but I still think that he has stuff to contribute. But he's gone now, right? They just traded AJ Brown. Yeah, that's true. So that's who true. who is their receiver now? I don't know. I know they still have Derrick Henry, but I almost wonder if they're if they're saying the AFC because everyone keeps saying, "Oh my gosh, the AFC is so stacked right now. It's so stacked." Maybe they're kind of playing the long game. I'm not really sure. Yeah, because they traded him. They traded uh, AJ Brown night one to. Uh, move up, and then they took Traylon Burks. So that was one of those top five receivers. So oh, maybe okay. they believe he'll be that guy. Maybe. I don't know. But that was a that was crazy when they moved up. They moved up, uh, traded with the Eagles to get to the 18 spot and took a top receiver. What so. is the logic in that? Is it just that they're not going to want to have to pay A.J. Brown? And, and now you're Maybe. Not... Yeah. And they're going to take one of these guys that's supposed to be an NFL talent right away. Yeah. yeah but, you know, like so. you have a proven commodity. Yeah, that's true. No, I, I get. It. I, I was very, very surprised. I mean, I was shocked. I was in a, I was in the car actually with one of my friends, and I, I, we were watching. We were both just like, jaws dropped in the moment. Like, are you like this is crazy? That's that's their best receiver now, and they're gonna trade it, for, trade him for for a rookie. But I guess they believe in this guy. Like, they probably and I guess think they he'll don't be their round. Yeah. No, but I mean, you might be right though. Take a quarterback in the third round, move up for a receiver in the first. Like, maybe it is a rebuild. So I, I mean, I don't know. I know you still have Derrick Henry, but I guess what I'm saying is, is like, if they were going to do it, it was going to be in these last couple of years. Now the AFC is even scarier with Russell Wilson coming on in and um, the emergence of Josh Allen as what people believe to be a, a, like an awesome player. And uh, now like Lamar had his, has had his off years. Who knows what he's going to come on and do next year. And now all of a sudden you have Deshaun Watson in Cleveland. Are they going to be a sick team now? Like, am I missing? Am I missing anything? I, yeah, I mean it's it's also like Matt Ryan to the Colts. Like the Colts have been knocking, knocking, knocking. Are the Colts yeah. going to be something serious now? It's also like a little bit ridiculous to say they're rebuilding because they were the number one seed in the AFC last year. I know. I, I'm not. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. Are they? I don't know. I know. No, I know. But you you have to remember. Like this isn't like a team that was like. They. they I mean. No. Did they lose their first game? Like. Look, they, it was just. Look, they've been still. good for many years, but they've just been good. They haven't been great. And yes, they were the number one seed. They lost to the Bengals. And yes, they were the number one seed, but it seems like for a while now they've been like the one or two seed, and then every year it's like it's not good enough. So. Yeah. Why would it be good enough now? Yeah. I don't know. And and it's, I mean, even like, like before draft night, like I would still say they're the best team in the AFC South. Like the Colts are right there, but like they're still the best That's team fair. in the AFC South. Fine. So like. But what does that even know, mean like, when, you, when you have like all these other crazy teams? Yeah. Uh, no, I know. So I, I don't know. I guess they are looking b beyond their division because they're in a terrible division. I mean, arguably the worst the division. Right, I mean the Colts are like pretty good, but even that, like, well, we'll see. Like, we'll see with Matt Ryan. The Colts we'll were like 
almost a playoff team. Did they make the playoffs? This no, year? they did not. Because they, they, they were they were very supposed close. to. Because they, they got really to. they got really hot, and then they, they all lost of a sudden lost the their last like, two games, two but, or three games. Yeah. But now with Matt Ryan, the leader in there, with a the guy who who I still believe to be top ten quarterback in the league, maybe they'll make a little bit more worse. I don't know. Yeah, but two years ago it was Philip Rivers. Last year it was Carson Matt Ryan's Lentz. different. Now Matt it's Ryan's Matt better Ryan. than the two of them. I mean, he's the only one that's been to a Super Bowl. I think Matt Ryan's def- he's definitely better than Carson Wentz. Right. No, I, Wentz and Philip Rivers was washed. He couldn't even throw the ball anymore. It was crazy. He was like sidearm throwing. Yeah. It was it was all short. Matt Ryan's not like that. Matt Ryan gets the ball. Did, did you see that the uh, Commanders took Matt Corral in the I think in the third round, the quarterback out of Ole Miss, and they have they just traded for Carson Wentz. So I guess they don't well, have too I, much faith there too. And they already have Heineke on the roster too. I guess they're just prepared. <laughs> Yeah. For things to go wrong. Also, one other thing, Zion Johnson, guard, Boston College, picked 17th overall. That was pretty cool. Like, ben Petrula went too. Oh, yeah. Ben Petrula was, was one of our uh, offensive lineman. linemen, and he hails from Freehold, New Jersey, which oh. is where I went to high school. Oh, so there you go. That's cool. He, uh, I've, I've never met him, but I have, uh, I've heard of him, and like he's, he's a mutual friend of, of some people that I'm friends with back home, and uh, yeah, so that's pretty cool. I don't, uh, I mean, there, there are some other guys from around me that are in the league. Uh, now it's bothering me. The guy from uh, the Titans, the tight end. He's from Manalpin. The, the tight end, the current tight end for the Titans? Humphreys? No, I'll figure it out. We'll keep okay. talking about it. Okay, out. all right. Yeah, there's not. Um... There's not very many NFL players from around me. They don't really usually come from Omaha, unfortunately. A kid from my high school that was um, a senior when I was in eighth grade. He was draft. He was a quarterback. And he was drafted. He went to North Coast State. He was a quarterback after Carson Wentz, and he was drafted by the Chargers a few years ago. But I don't know what he's doing now. Anthony Ferkser. Oh, Thanks, Andrew. Okay. He's on the Titans, right? Yeah, I think he is. I know he is. <laughs> and you know him? No, I don't know him. Okay. He's. He's old. He's twenty seven, but he's from he's he's from my hometown, Anthony Ferkser. Thanks, Drew. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I mean, good. I'm good with the draft. That was well. I have one more question. Oh, okay. There I have we a go. question let's for you. Let's Look, we ended up talking twenty minutes about the, the draft. <laughs> so, are the Packers better going into this season than they were last year, or are they worse? That's a good question. I I would I would say better. Because really, I would say better because so? you got your whole defense. You got basically your entire defense coming back, plus two first round guys that you're really excited about. Obviously, the big loss is Devonte Adams, but the main reason, the main problem with the team and why they didn't win a playoff game last year is because they had so many guys that were injured last year. All those guys, all those big injured guys, are going to be back this year. Knock on wood, they're going to be playing all year. And yes, you're, you're losing Devonte Adams. Who's going to be wide receiver one? Like that's the big question. Now you just drafted three wide receivers. I feel like chances are pretty good that at least one of those guys will turn out and be really good. You still have Alan Lazard. You still have Randall Cobb. Amari Rogers. you drafted last year. You have Robert Tunyon at tight end who got injured halfway through last year. That's one of the best tight ends in the league. He's on the team. Josiah DeGuaro is a tight end. That was pretty good. You got a lot of weapons. You got Aaron Jones still. You got A.J. Dillon still. You've got a very good team. And, I mean... The big thing is that those top players that were injured last year are going to be back. You have to be excited about them. A lot of guys also took big steps on the defense last year. Rashawn Gary, for instance, a big one. 
Devontae Campbell. So the defense is incredible. And I guess you just have to hope that somebody's going to be able to fill in that spot for Devontae Adams. But I feel good about the team. They're going to be a Super Bowl favorite once again going into the season. There's no, there's no denying that. See, for some reason, I knew that I could bait you into that. I, we must have been doing this show for so long. Like, maybe we've been doing this for four years or something. That I knew that you're... I, I was like, I was ready to catch you. It's like I just like put a nice, juicy worm on a hook... And I cast it onto the, into the lake waiting for, for a fish to attack it. But you're the fish that's attacking. Okay. And what do you mean by that? Because you're unbelievable. Like, uh, I'm trying to come up with the right words. Because I really want to get this right. I want to hammer this home. You're, yeah. like, come on. Your subjective, just unbridled optimism for the Packers is unbelievable. And it's amazing. And the top team, one of the I top wish, teams. I wish that I could be as players. optimistic as you for like different things in my life. But I'm just not, because I'm more of a realist. But like every single year it's always, oh, the Packers, the Packers, the Packers, the Packers. And they've been a good team, but they've never gotten it done the whole four years we've been we've been on the show. They haven't gotten it done in how many years? I don't even know. So, like over a decade, right? And then they didn't even win a playoff game last year. They lost to the sorry 49ers. So I just want... And then, like, you know I'm not a big Devontae Adams fan. But you would always talk, Devontae Adams is the best, the best wide receiver in the league. Devontae Adams is so great. Blah, 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 blah. How can you now say that they're, they're better? It's just like, I knew you were going to say they were better. Because I knew you couldn't, like, you couldn't stomach saying that they had gotten worse. But you did it. I don't, like... If you think Devontae Adams is as good as you think he is, is he still the best wide receiver in the league? Yeah. So you're replacing him with who? Alan Lazard and 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 Randall Cobb? How old is Randall Cobb? And these new guys, they're going to be Devontae Adams? Like, I'm not trying to rag on it. Like, I wanted you to just say, yeah, Kenny, they're worse. Because how many times does, like, Aaron Rodgers had thrown the ball to Devontae Adams over the last, like, three or four years. It's unbelievable. It's like the, the targeting that goes on of Devontae Adams, who else is there to throw it to? That's been his criticism at times is that he looks at him too much. And I think you've criticized him of this on this very That's show. That's how they lost the, the championship game last year. He, he tried to force a ball to him when he had other receivers wide open. So now that he's not on the team, he's going to look for other people, and that's why they're better? Even right. though there's no real number one wide receiver on this team. Yeah. Okay. No, I mean, it's a big loss, but it's it's basically the only loss. The guys you lost this year, yes, it's, it's him. It's a big, the big shoes to fill. Then who else you lose? MVS, who didn't play, basically didn't play at all last year. Zadarius Smith, that didn't play at all last year. So you only, you really only lost one guy. Yeah, but that and one guy is, yes. quote-unquote, I'm quoting you, the best wide receiver in the league. But you still have a lot of good options and a lot of young guys that you believe in. And, you I mean, you have guys you drafted last year and you have you three really good... You may believe in them, but I don't know who, who else believes in them. The Packers' uh, front office that drafted them. And, and you still have good tight ends. You still have two really good running backs. You have a really strong offensive line. And all of your really strong defensive pieces are back this year. And also, when you get rid of Devontae Adams, 
that was what allowed us to have the the money to be able to pay those those guys on the defensive side to keep them. So our defense is probably going to be the best defense in the league next year. Oh, and really? Have, and you still have the, the MVP, the back-to-back MVP of the league, and you have a ton of weapons on offense. I don't see what the issue is there. <laughs> I wonder if other people can see the issue, but I guess we'll we'll table that for another time. Maybe I'll put out a poll. Are the Packers better or worse this year than they were last year? And I wonder what the answer will be. I have a feeling they'll agree with me. Rodgers has another MVP under, under his belt, so he's better too. He's he's gotten <laughs> older and better. Like yep. age two he's straight like MVPs. Last year he was a three-time MVP winner. Now he's a four-time MVP winner. So the team's even better now. Catch up. Another collective MVP on on the team. All right. Too much NFL. We have to talk about the NBA. Which question right. do you want to do first? Yeah. So we kind of have a couple questions prepared for each series. Um, and you know what? Let's just start right off with the series that you were at yesterday. Yes. Because that's exciting. And, you know, you didn't tell me, but I saw on your Instagram story right. that you are at the game. Well, I, I wanted to surprise you. Yeah, I should, that's really I should have cool. not put it on the oh, Instagram story. Oh, that's okay. That's all right. I, I was happy for you. How much were the tickets, first of all? That's what I want to know. I, I will say they were Let's 250 a piece. 250 A piece. Holy. And we were we were up quite high. But you know what? I said, I said this, Isaiah. I'm getting a job next year. Well, wait, I'm getting a I have a job now for Congrats. when I graduate. And a day's work will pay for that ticket. <laughs> so... Was it worth it? Yeah, it was worth it. Because I, I said, listen, when am I going to go to another game at the Boston Garden? I don't know. If it's not now, when am I going to come back for a game? I'm living in Boston now. I don't really like the Nets. I don't really like the Knicks. I don't really like the 76ers. So all the teams around me, am I really going to go see them in a game? I might at some point if I'm like really wanting to go see an NBA game. But I'm here right now. I could go see the Celtics, who I think to be the best team in the league and I think to win the championship, playing against my favorite player in the, ye- in the league, Giannis Antetokounmpo. So I said, you know what? No problem. I'll do it. Lauren and I went. We had a great time. Awesome time. And what was it like in there? Oh, it was, I mean, for the beginning, it was rocking. The beginning was crazy atmosphere, crazy loud. Everyone was going nuts. But then, you know, Giannis and the Bucks really pulled ahead, and, and people were not very enthused by the end of the game. And, and it definitely got quiet in there real quick. And uh, the Celtics have their work cut out for them. All right, so that, that'll lead me into the first question. Sure. What is your biggest concern with Boston after game one? I'll tell you what the biggest concern is, Isaiah. Because I sat there and I watched the whole game. Of course. It's that Giannis Antetokounmpo had a triple-double in game one, but didn't even shoot the ball well. So he's capable of putting up a triple-double against your team, and he only gave you 24. He shot like it was bad. That's what I was watching the game, and I was saying, oh, man, like, this is an awesome game, but Giannis really isn't shooting well, but he was doing all the other things. He was rebounding the ball. He had 12 assists. Every time they sent a double team at him, he was finding his guys open for three the entire game. It was so impressive, and he shot... Oh, no, it's not going to show me. <laughs> he, he shot a bad percentage. It was like something like 30% that he shot, 
And that's not what you want from Giannis. And that's not what you're going to get from Giannis. Because Giannis is definitely going to do better the next uh, couple of games with his shooting. So you combine what he did and you blew... You, they pretty much dominated the Celtics in this game with the fact that Giannis is only going to get better this series with his shooting and his scoring. They're in trouble. They're in trouble. I still think that the Celtics are going to win. I still think the Celtics are going to win the series, but they definitely have to have a sharp turnaround and figure out what they're going to do because they have to do a better job of stopping Giannis. He was missing layups. He was missing open layups that I think very easily could have been made, and he easily could have had 35 points. But he didn't. He got 24, 13, and 12, which is still an unbelievable performance. Only the second time he's had a triple-double in his postseason career, albeit short. But uh, if he did that to you and you won, and they won by that much and he didn't score as well as he could have, they got to get going. How many, how many did they win by again? It wasn't so much of, of how many they won by like Isaiah. Like or something? It was, I think it ended up being like 11 by the end. Okay. No, 12 by the end, but the point wasn't how much they won by. The game, like, if you were in there, the game was over by the end of the third quarter. It was over. There was no pulse. There was no, like, fight from the team. There was no uh, any kind of arousing the crowd or anything like that. It was it was over. It doesn't look like it was as bad of a, of a loss as it was. If you were there and you saw what was going on, it could have easily been, you know, a bigger loss by more points. Yeah, I'm going to say similar similar answer, a little different. They just look completely outsized by the Bucks. I mean, they, they don't have Middleton, so it feels like they're... The the Bucks are really going to be relying on those big guys, and I mean, to yeah, me, they went right to that big. Line. They had Portis, Giannis, and Lopez all on at the same time. Exactly, those nuts. those three just I mean they just looked just bigger and stronger than the Celtics did, and just looking at the guys that are specifically covering Giannis, so you have Horford. He just didn't move quick enough to guard Giannis. I feel like Giannis was just blowing by uh, Horford every time that he was covering him. Tatum would cover him sometimes, but. Giannis is just bigger and stronger. He just overpowers him. And then you have Grant Williams was covering sometimes. He's also too small. And then you have Rob Williams. Rob Williams, he can cover him pretty well. But then the moment Rob Williams starts covering him, then another one of those big guys just gets open, and then he gets the ball, and then he scores. And that's why Giannis ends up with a triple-double with a, with over 10 assists. So to me, I'm, con- I'm just concerned about who's going to be covering those guys because – those are the guys that they're looking for to offense. I mean, and that's not to say anything against Drew Holiday, who put up 25 points. Right, a very impressive great. performance there, too. But the biggest concern is covering those three guys. They each had over 10 rebounds. And uh, to me, I don't know. And Giannis just, keeps finding his shooters, man. Yeah, he I mean, he's, he's, I mean, he's doing everything. He's spray. He's doing everything. So it's, it's Giannis, but it's also just the size in general. And it, it's also just becoming clear that they're playing a very different team than the Nets. Like, yes. th- like the, the Nets team they played was you're covering like a, some really good shooters and not much size. Now it's like all these like big guys are just scoring down low. And then you still have the, the Drew Holiday that's going to be a threat from, from around the arc too. So you know, what, maybe, you know what the difference though is with the Nets and this team? All that you said is 100% on. I'm with it. But this Bucks team has done it. They've yeah. made it to the promised land. They've won this whole yeah. thing. 
these guys, they know how to play with each other. They know exactly what the, they brought back. Like everybody, yeah. This is, a, this is that's the same thing. team. It is a championship team, and it's like looks like we're seeing playoff Giannis again. Just just take over, which is scary. And they all know their role. Yeah, Portis knows what he's out there to do. Grayson Allen knows he's just out there to play defense and spot up from three and get open when Giannis gets doubled. They all know their role. The thing with the Nets is, is they were trying to figure out their role because they hadn't even played together. Yeah. So. I don't know. To me, it's like I, I get a little bit worried that it's almost like the Packers actually a little bit and that the Celtics ended up being like, yes, the Suns had the best record, but like last three months of the regular season, the, the Celtics were the best team in the NBA. I mean, like I, they were, they barely lost games over the last three months. And then you get to the playoffs and sure, they win the first series handily, but like then you go up against a team that was won the championship last year, and you were a really good regular season team this year. But that doesn't necessarily translate to the playoffs. I mean, it's just you, you can see that it's like that. It's a different environment. It take it just takes more in the playoffs. And having that championship experience, I think, is something that you can't really quantify. But it's just something the Bucks have. And and then yeah, that, uh, my comparison is to the Packers, like they've been dominant in the regular season past few years and then it gets the playoffs and they lose to like the 49ers multiple times who have been to the Super Bowl um and the Buccaneers who have Tom Brady who's been to the Super Bowl however many times so I'm with you that I still think the Celtics I also think the Celtics will win the series and it's a long round and maybe it just took a game for them to get adjusted and they're fully healthy whereas the Bucks are missing Chris Middleton so have a, so look my outlook on the series hasn't necessarily changed in that I still think they're going to win but it's going to I think this is a wake up call for them and I hope they can respond I think they will be able to respond go out tomorrow night at home and make sure you get at least one win in front of your home fans cuz they don't do if they don't win tomorrow night I'm worried about the series coming back to Boston for a game 5 honestly but I think they will go out and win I feel confident about it but they got they got to cover those guys out though All right any other thoughts on this series? Not really. I mean, their stars have to show up, and they have to play like the cohesive unit that they were all year. And they're they're the second-best defensive team in the league for a reason. And you got to show it. you gotta, you got to do what you got to do to shut down those guys. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. All right. Let's move on to the other series that started yesterday. Uh, the Warriors defeat the Grizzlies by one point in Memphis. And so, Kenny, let's first talk about earlier in the game, Draymond Green gets yeah. ejected. Yeah. Did he deserve to be ejected? Maybe describe what happened first. Sure. So, for those that did not see, basically, there was a player, I believe, Brandon Clark? Yes. Brandon Clark was going up for a layup, and Draymond decided to foul him, but he didn't just foul him. He fouled him while pulling him by his jersey down to the floor while catching him on the way down. So the referees deemed this to be a flagrant two and ejected him. So Isaiah, I looked into the language of the rules. Yeah. The rules say that a flagrant one is unnecessary contact. And a flagrant two is unnecessary and excessive contact. So like... This all seems a little bit subjective to me. It's not, there's no real clear cut. If you pull someone by, down by the jersey, then you're a flagrant two and you're ejected. There's no real like 
hard rules, it's kind of left open to the interpretation of the referees. But what is unnecessary? And then, if it's unnecessary, was it also excessive? And that's kind of the problem that people have with this, with these rules and how they're they're dealing uh, out flagrant fouls, whether it be one or two, because depending on the subjectivity of the referee in this moment, he's going to make a call that could potentially really alter the series. Now, however, I do agree that he should have been ejected. I do think it was unnecessary, and I do think it was ex excessive. I've never seen a basketball play where you need to pull somebody down by their jersey. That This is not football. There, there was no action to go for the ball. It was just pulling the guy down by his jersey. You should never be able to grab somebody's jersey while they're in the middle of the air and pull them down. That's clearly excessive in my opinion, and I understand why he was ejected. I mean, think about the injuries that could arise from you doing something like this. You're pulling someone down while they're in midair and they have no control over their body. They could fall and land on their face, on their shoulder, dislocate a shoulder, land funny on their knee, on one knee and buckle it and tear their ACL. All kinds of things that could happen as a cause of this. Thankfully, it didn't happen, but you can't call something because an injury does happen. You have to call something to prevent injuries in the future that can arise from this kind of an action happening. And I do agree that he should have been ejected, but I also do think that there should be some kind of more clarifying language and more like hard, fast rules about how these kinds of things are to be officiated. Yeah, I so so you looked up the language language of the rules and it's I did. excessive is flagrant one and excessive and no unnecessary. no no unnecessary is flagrant one unnecessary, unnecessary and excessive is flagrant two. Okay, so Which, like it's totally subjective. I agree. Yeah, it's but, subjective, but I think it, it was is. excessive. That's but all I'm saying. A lot of times, what I've seen in in college basketball and in, and in pro basketball, when the differentiating thing between those two fouls is. Flagrant ones are usually on a basketball play where it's just like a hard foul. And flagrant twos are like clearly like a punch, like a, some sort of like fight, something that's basically not related to the game. And this was not that. And that's why I don't think this should have been a flagrant two and he should not have been ejected. Definitely a flagrant one. He grabs the jersey, he pulls him down. But how but is that a basketball play? It's not. It's unnecessary, well, but it's not it. excessive. It's not excessive. Usually, gets interpreted as it becomes like a punch or like a fight or like well, that's a push more off like or something a like that. And you're gonna be no. That, out anyway. a, a lot of times, those get those are flagrant twos because it'll, uh, it's contact that like you know maybe it's like a, maybe it's like a hard play and then someone like pushes off and like starts like a fight or something like that. That's when a flagrant but two happens. But how is grabbing someone's jersey not excessive? Because in that play. To me, it, it, it's not necessary. I agree. I agree. But <laughs> okay. we're looking at the specific term, uh, the specific excessive. language. It's not excessive because he he grabs a jersey and he, he does pull him down. But it's like it's literally like a second before he's like he doesn't. You can tell that he's not trying to actually like pull him to the ground. He's trying to stop the play, but he's not trying to pull him to the ground at all because he like slowly starts to fall and he's got his arm his other arm at at the at Clark's side the whole time like slowly like lowering him like trying to like help him immediately the, he's clearly flagrant twos are called on like aggressive like angry like hard fouls that turn into like something really like bad and excessive this was not anything 
that bad. Okay. A jersey pull is unnecessary, but it's not excessive in any way. If Brandon Clark... He would have not way, have been hurt on this because he went down so if slowly. If the same play happens and he tears his ACL, then what? That doesn't make any difference to me. It doesn't. He, he would have to have pulled him down a lot more excessively for a 20 See, ACL I don't think to happen. So. No, because look at the replay. It, I watched it's very the replay. Slow. Yes, he grabs him, and it, it stops his upward motion. He starts to go down, but the the, the descent to the ground is you very be slow. grabbing anybody. It's very slow, and you could tell that he doesn't actually like mean to pull him down to the ground, right? He just wanted to stop the play. Which is, yes, it was unnecessary to grab the jersey, but it was not excessive in any way. Excess, excessive would have looked like grabbing by the jersey and like slamming him to the ground and like standing over him. It was a slow, like, oh, like he's going down, like I'm helping him down. All right, well, look, that's fine if that's what you believe, but... That's like, what I saw, though. Sure, that's fine that that's what you, like, you think you saw, but it's also... <laughs> I know, no, I but, but this is, like, I'm not, I'm not even making fun of you. I'm saying that this is inherently the problem with the rule. Yeah. Because what I think to be excessive and what you would think to be excessive are different. And that's okay, we can agree to disagree, but that's the issue. That's what the problem is here. Because it is completely subjective how you think of the term excessive. Yeah, that's fair. So I'm, I'm just interpreting it on how they usually call flagrant ones versus flagrant twos. From what I've seen, it's a lot. It's a lot more excessive and aggressive when it's when it's at the level of flagrant two. Flagrant ones get called a lot, and they're not really the plays that they are called on are not that different than what happened in this one. Okay, well. I don't know. I I just I thought that was not the right call. I mean, the other thing too is that Draymond Green does have a history of doing flagrant things in the playoffs. Right. So then you so then it's like, are you just calling it because it's him? And I I I I, could I don't see know. That a little bit. I could see that a little bit because if it's somebody else doing that, there's probably a better chance it's not called a flagrant too. I you know what? I really wouldn't disagree with that. I think I think if Steph Curry did the same thing, I don't think he be he would have been ejected. Yeah, I don't either. All right, the game in general. Yeah. Do you feel more or less confident in the Grizzlies after that game one performance? Less. And here's the issue. The Grizzlies, their two guys played their hearts out. Jaron Jackson Jr. gave you 33, and John Morant gave you 34, and you still lost. And this was also when Draymond Green wasn't playing for half the game. On your home court. So you had two guys, your two star. Jaron Jackson is, is like their second guy, right? Yeah, that's fine. Whatever. They, you had two guys on your team give you 30-plus points, and you still couldn't beat the team that was without one of their best players in Draymond Green. So what else do you need to do? I mean, are they going to need to score more than 34 and 33 apiece? I don't know. Or they have to start getting some contributions, some bigger contributions for some of their other players? Who, by the way, didn't play bad. It's not like there was some key player here that, that really underachieved in this game. At least, according to my opinion. And then, the other thing, too, is is if you look at what the Warriors did. Steph only at 24. We both know that he's more capable than that. And Clay only at 15. So, those guys could be easily be giving you 25 apiece every night. And now you have to see this emergence of Jordan Poole who was the leading scorer for the Warriors, who had 31, 9 assists and 8 rebounds, which is a ridiculous stat line. I mean, this is why I think they're really in trouble. What do you think? 
I actually feel more confident about the Grizzlies after that game one loss. Yes, they lost. It was by one point. They had an opportunity to win the game in the last possession. And if they if they score, if John Morant hits that layup to win the game, I don't know. Maybe a lot of people are thinking differently about this game. I was just yeah, very, but they didn't. Yeah, he missed the he missed the layup. Fine. I feel a lot better about this team. You're playing against a Warriors team that won multiple finals a few years ago with Steph and Clay, the, the two main pieces of that. Incredible shooting team, and they were hitting a lot of threes last night, like they always do, and yet the Grizzlies would not go away. They would they stayed right there with them. They're a lot less experienced of a team, yet they, they took the punches and, and, and gave them right back. They stood with them the whole game and brought it right down to the wire and put themselves an opportunity to win the game right there at the end. Yes, you want to win that one, especially at home, because now you have to win game two at home. And yes, I still do think the Warriors are better. And as I predicted before the series, I think the Warriors are still going to win the series. But now I feel like it's going to be even closer than I thought, because just like in the last two games they played against the, the Timberwolves, they were also down by double digits in both those games and came back and won. So clearly they're a resilient team. They're able to come back basically from any, from any deficit. I feel good about their ability to make games very close and definitely win a couple of them. I think this is going to be a long series. So I, I feel bad about them. I, I also expected the Warriors to go out there and shoot all over them and win by like 20 or something. But the Grizzlies very easily could have won that game. They had the opportunity. They stuck with them. I mean, there were so many like just deflating moments where the, the Warriors would hit a couple threes and like they'd all of a sudden be up by like, like 10 points. And the Grizzlies would fight back. There's a point they're down by 10 with like halfway through the fourth quarter. They came back and tied it up and on like a 10-0 run. So I feel good about their ability to stay with a more experienced team in the Warriors. I think they have a better shot than I did before the game. What about what I said, though, about the, the two 30-point scores and the fact that Steph and Clay didn't really play as well as they could? No, that's fair. And, yes, Steph and Clay, it's very easy to think that – one or both of those guys is going to put up at least 30 in, in multiple of these games. But, yes, you do need more of those other players on the Grizzlies to step up, 100%. But the fact that they were still, even without you know much scoring besides those two guys, they still kept it to within one and still never really let the game get out of hand. I don't know. I, I, I feel good about it. I feel good that somebody's going to be able to step up. And also, and Seven Clay will probably shoot better too. So I, I think these games are just going to continue to be high scoring, and they're going to be close. And the Warriors, I think, will win the series. But I feel good that the Grizzlies can come back in any game. It was like the, the, the Timberwolves series. I think every single game they won, they were down by like a significant amount at, at one point in the game, and they came back and won. And I thought the Timberwolves were last week on the show. I thought the Timberwolves were going to win that series yeah. because they kept. Getting to big leads, I'm like, okay, there's no way the Grizzlies are going to be able to keep coming back from big deficits. And then they did it in the following two games and won the series. So they, they're they impressing me. I feel better about them. But the Warriors are still going to win. Okay. That's how I feel. Uh, who do you rather have, Jaw or Steph? Yeah, that's a – I mean, Jaw's very good. But, I mean, Steph's, Steph's a top ten player. He's probably he's a top five player to me. Greatest three-point shooter of all time. Three times final champ, two-time MVP. He looks healthy. I mean, he has more playoff experience. Like I, I would want. I'd rather have Steph. Yeah, I agree. I don't really have to say too much about it. That was a. That was another like, little bait question. Yeah, no, I'm no. Trying to get you. No, I. 
I respect Steph. I mean, he's, he's, he is the greatest three-point shooter of all time. I thought you were going to say that, too. Okay. Um, okay. So, we're going to talk... Okay, what about... Who has a better chance of stealing game one, the 76ers or the Mavs? And the, the 76ers game is already... Happened. Should I answer before I know the score? Sure, I will okay. look. Okay. Yeah, so, who has a better chance to win? Um... Yeah, so I would have said the 76ers because going into the series, I said the 76ers are going to beat the Heat. Then Joel Embiid gets just at, I mean, he's just so beat up right now. He breaks a bone in his face and has a concussion and he's still got the, the finger uh, tear or whatever. Like, now you don't have your, your best player, your guy that was right up there in MVP voting. So uh, things are a lot harder now. It's going to turn to Harden and if he can get to an MVP level and... I mean, we just haven't seen him play like that really since he was on the Rockets. So even even though the Miami's without Lowry tonight, I I feel pretty confident Miami's going to win that. So based on that, I, I guess I would say the Mavericks have a better chance of winning a possible game one because you have the potential for like an incredible performance from Luka. Maybe Booker coming off the injury. He played in the, that, their last game of the last series, but maybe he's not fully ready and doesn't play as well as he usually does, and maybe they steal a win. I, I think that chance is higher than the Sixers at this point, but I think both chances are low. I don't think it's going to happen. I think both the home teams are going to win. But I would say the Mavericks, just because the Sixers are now without Embiid, and it's really, like, who's going to who's gonna take over? I, I just don't know. So, what do you think? See, I think the Mavericks are going to get swept. No, I, I could totally I think see. they're going to get swept. I love Luka. They're going to lose. I think they're going to get swept, but... The Sixers, I think they're gonna. I think Miami's gonna end up winning the series, but I think that game could go seven. Okay. Even without Embiid, and here's wow. why I say. Okay, let's hear it. Let's look at James Harden's career. He was good in OKC, but he was coming off the bench. He was a sixth man of the year. He wasn't by any means their star, right? Yeah. Then what happened? He went to the Rockets and he became the scoring champion, and he became this awesome player that we all know him to be. Right? And then he leaves and goes to the Nets. And does he play like James Harden? No. No. And then he goes and he, to the 76ers with another star and Joel Embiid. And then what happens? Does he play like James Harden? Not the same level. So I'm potentially convinced that James Harden needs to be without other stars on his team in order to be the James Harden that he is meant to be. And yes, it has not worked in the past. In terms of winning championships, but it has worked in the past in terms of having some really nice playoff success at, at certain points and having some good teams. So I wonder if now that the reins are going to be given to James Harden, at least for these first two games, we'll see if Joel could come back or not, if James Harden is going to become the James Harden that we both once knew and watched on the Houston Rockets, because now he is going to be the ball dominant player. He's going to have to take a lot more shots than he used to. And it's going to be really interesting to see what's going to happen in this situation and if he's going to rise to the occasion and if he's going to be a player. You know, If he rises to this occasion, he's proving his case for maybe getting a max contract there in Philly. But the other thing I want to say about this, though, is, is I'm annoyed that Embiid's hurt because now Harden has his out. Yeah. If they lose now... Harden could say, oh, well, it's because I didn't have my guy with me. It was just me against Miami, who is a great team. But, you know, now he has his way to say, 
this is why we didn't have this playoff success, which bothers me because I really wanted to see uh, if he would be able to have playoff success with him and Embiid. But that's what I think. I think that potentially there he's going to be able to turn it on and give you 30 or 40 and have you, some good games there. And there's a better chance that's going to happen tonight than the Mavericks potentially yes. winning. Okay. Yes. Again, I don't think either is going to happen, but... Me neither. Who knows? And so, and just so we get through this question quickly, you think that's, we had a question about what, what, what can the Sixers do without Embiid? What has to happen for them to win the series? And I was just going to say, Harden's going to have to basically get back to MVP level. He's going to, he's going to get a lot more of attention on, uh, from the Heat defensively now. Can he be that guy that he was with the Rockets? Hit those step back threes, drive to the lane, draw contact. He's gonna. I mean, that's what's gonna have to happen for them to at least hold, make the series last long enough where Embiid can come back. And he's, even when he comes back, he's suffering a concussion and a broken bone in his head. Like, how well is he even gonna play? So he is ten points in the first half so far. Okay, well, what's the score? What's the score? Let's hear it. They're now. down seven. Okay. Uh, no, they're down six. It's forty-seven, forty-one, and Harden has ten so far. And what is what point of the game is it? Four minutes left in the second. Okay. So he's he's well. He could definitely get to thirty. Tonight, if he wants. Yeah. He has, what, how many you say? He has 10. 10, yeah. If he gets to like 13 or, or 15 by the by the half, he might even be able to put up more than 30. Yeah. There you go. That's what needs to happen. All right. Let's move on to the last series. Um, Mavericks versus Suns. And kind of touched on this a little bit, but how much of a challenge will the Mavericks be for the Suns? Yeah, unfortunately, I, I don't really believe in the Mavericks' ability to give the Suns a challenge. I'd love for them to give them a challenge. I like the Mavericks more than I like the Suns because I really am a big Luka Doncic fan. But, unfortunately, I think the Suns are going to be too much for them now that they're whole again with Devin Booker. And uh, I just don't see it going very well. Yeah, I'm. if I'm the Suns, I'm not very worried about the Mavericks. Um, I mean, honestly, at best... I think the Suns win both the first two games. I think the Mavericks could maybe have like a magical night where Luka goes crazy in Dallas and they, they maybe take a game, but I think it goes to five games max. Yeah, I mean, the Suns are now at full strength again, and they were the best team by far just throughout the course of the regular season. And yes, you have Luka, and yes, you have Jalen Brunson who played really well in the first round, and you closed out a good Jazz team and. You know, it went to, what, six games and seemed like it was going to be close, but they, they kind of put the hammer down to finish that series. So, yeah, they've impressed. They're just not – they're not quite there yet. They're not at the level of the Suns. And Luka has the potential to take over games, but I just it, – there's not going to be enough to take four games from the Suns. So, I, it's just, I don't think they're going to have too much of a problem, especially now that they're at full strength again. See, I believe Luka's going to have some great games, but the thing is is that – if you've watched the Mavericks over the course of the last couple of years in the playoffs, just because he gives you 40 doesn't mean you're winning the game. Right. And he can do that for you, but it doesn't who else mean you're going to win. Like, who else is scoring? You have 40 from him, but then... And like maybe you have a great night from Jalen Brunson, like he had a good series. Even Spencer Dinwiddie. But they have some right. other players I mean, on the Dinwiddie. team, but I don't think it's going to be enough. But I'd love to see it happen. We'll see. I'm, I'll be watching tonight. Yeah. Which guard will have the biggest impact on this series? Definitely Chris Paul. Chris Paul is the best guard in this series. I think he's the best player in this series. And I think he's really going to have a big impact. He had a big impact on the last game. I don't know if you saw. Yeah. But uh, he went to what, 33? I think like 14 for 14 
down the yeah. stretch or something like, like 30, 14 30, baskets points. in a row. And he totally closed out that game. And that was a close game. And they closed out the Pelicans. And he imposes Will. And I think he's going to be a real big key to this series. What do you think? You're going to say Devin Booker? No, I also was actually going to say oh, Chris wow. Paul as well. I, I love Chris Paul. I know I, I know you like love Chris Paul. I, I love Chris Paul too. And I, he's the point I, guy. I love Devin Booker. That's why I talk about him more. But I love Chris Paul. He was, uh, he was like... I think he was like one of the first NBA jerseys I ever had. It was a New Orleans uh, Hornets Pelicans or uh, what am I saying? New Orleans Hornets Chris Paul jersey when I was like seven or eight. I love Chris Paul. And it's it's cool that he's still one of the best players in the league and he at this age. But yeah, I mean he had a great first round. Obviously there's like those weird like moments that you see with like Alvarado like stole the ball from him in the, in the backcourt and like that was what everyone was like freaking out about. But like other than that, he had a great series. And he, he kind of took over when Devin Booker was on. And, he, and Devin Booker was back in the last game, but he still took over. So if he continues to stay hot, especially with Booker back, there's basically no hope for the Mavericks, I think. I mean, and, and yes, like if, if he falters and like Luke, Luca like dominates, then maybe there's a little bit of hope for the Mavericks. But he's, he's, he runs that offense. He's, so, he's a crucial piece to that team. He's so good. He's playing so well right now that he's going to have the biggest impact on this series, and I'm excited to watch him continue to, to dominate. Me too. All, All right. right, Isaiah. Which of these question. series are going to go the most games? Yeah, so I was kind of just thinking about predictions for all of them, and so I was actually thinking Mavericks-Suns will be the shortest series. That'll definitely be like... Me too. Four, maybe five. And then if the... if. Yeah, if Embiid was there, was in the Sixers Heat series, I think maybe. But I could actually see the rest of these three series potentially going six or seven. But I'd say Sixers Heat to me is less likely. Now I feel like the Heat are going to win, and I don't think the Sixers are going to win too many games. But I don't know if you get Embiid back and maybe Harden gets that level, maybe. Um, and then that leaves me with Bucks, Celtics, Warriors, Grizzlies. Both those games can go to seven. I feel like there's more of a chance in the Bucks Celtics series that one of those teams like kind of goes on like a hot streak and like wins multiple games in a row. Maybe that they end in like five or six. Um, whereas Warriors Grizzlies, kind of what I was talking about earlier, that game being so close last night, the Grizzlies' ability to fight back despite the Warriors just hitting threes all over the place. That to me, I feel like Grizzlies are going to win just as many of those really tight games, and I feel like that one's going to go to seven. So I'm saying Warriors Grizzlies. Goes to seven games. Warriors win it in seven, but they go back to seven games in Memphis. That's the longest series to me. What do you think? So I'm going Suns in four, which reminds me. Remember that guy, the Suns in four guy? Yes, yes, that got thrown out of the guy, game last year. Well, I don't even know if he got thrown out, but remember the guy that got into the fight? And then yeah, he like, yeah. knocked somebody out. And Was then that he, in the finals? I think, no, it was, or was it the Western Conference Finals? I don't remember what series it was, but then he knocked him out, and then he was yelling <laughs> "Suns in four and holding up four fingers. I remember that distinctly, yeah. Yeah. just as I was about to say "Suns in four. I wonder where that guy's up to now. <laughs> probably, probably have to go into the game tonight. He might be. Probably is. So, uh, yeah, Suns in four. Sorry, Luca, I love you. Uh, but you love Chris Paul more. No. Oh. I like Luca more, Okay. but Chris Paul's better. I mean, that surprises me. I feel like you talk a lot more about Chris Paul. No, my two favorite players... Ugh, that's tough. My favorite <laughs> player is Giannis. Right, And then right, in no right. particular order, I'd go LeBron and Luka. as my second and third favorite. In no particular order? Well, I don't know. I don't know which one I like more. Okay. That's my second favorite. 
Sure. But uh, Chris Paul is still better than Luca. So the other series, I have all of them going seven. Yeah, no, I could totally see it. I could totally see Which it. Which I think would be sick. I hope they all go seven. I really want to see it because that's just going to be such good theater. Well, which, one, which one's most likely? It's hard. It's hard. I, I, I think the most likely is the Sixers. Okay. Because maybe, I don't know, maybe Heat dominate early and then you get a beat back and maybe right. they And then it changes it everything. Or I, I don't know. Like maybe it comes back for game three and like they're down 2-0 and then all of a sudden they win two games in Philly. And then uh, it's just a best of three from there. Yeah, so I have Suns in four, Miami in seven, Warriors in seven, and uh, Celtics in seven. All right. Well, we will see. Thank you guys so much again for tuning into The Extra Point. It's been a great time. Thank you so much. This is Isaiah Mueller signing off. Kenny Tonker signing off. Thanks, everybody, and have a good weekend. Good night.